You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Now I get to open basically our series called Forward. Everybody say Forward. Now this is a discipleship series that will last the next nine weeks. Everybody say nine weeks. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you have to be excited. You know, if there's anything I thought you'd be excited about this series is this, okay? You would really get to understand and appreciate what Jesus Christ has for all of us. How many of you want to know God's will and purpose for your life? Come on, how many of you want that? Okay, great. And that's the, the whole thing. It's about, it's about our journey, our discipleship journey in the coming uh, nine weeks. Okay, of course, the discipleship journey is a lifetime. But in nine weeks, we're praying that we'll be able to understand what discipleship is all about. Now, uh, last week, we've ended uh, the series, um, and uh, you all know that we've talked about the resurrection. How many of you were here? Holy Week, diba? Easter Sunday is like Resurrection Day, right? When Jesus ascended into heaven, before He left planet Earth, basically, there was a final instruction. Okay? He said in Matthew 28, verse 18, uh, Basically said that Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What does it say? Go therefore and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of age. Okay. This is the final instruction of Jesus before he left and went up to heaven. How many of you know that this is a very important instruction? I mean... When you, go, when you go out of the house, right? Uh, in, in Tagalog, we call it, or in Filipino, we call it bilin. Di ba? May bilin sa atin. And basically, when Jesus left us here on planet Earth, He said this very important thing, therefore, go and make disciples. Now, if there's anything you want to understand about victory, if you are from victory, you are love victory, you're from this church, you know, and you know that this is one, we exist to only for two things. Number one, we honor God and what? Make disciples. That's what we do. Now, many of you may ask, okay, many of you may ask, just like me, the very first time I entered victory, the very, very first time was a preaching on discipleship, okay? Pastor Steve Merle was, was in Valle Verde. I heard this preaching about discipleship, and he was talking about disciples. I mean, if this is your first time to enter the church, and you hear disciples, I felt that I was entering into a cult. Parang kulto ata to. Parang ano mang disipulo to. Diba? But that was it. But what is a disciple anyway? You all know what a disciple is? Disciple is very simple. Okay? Now, this nine weeks, everybody say nine weeks. Now, we've divided or sectioned off this nine weeks into three parts. Right? And it talks about discipleship. The first thing you need to understand, a disciple is a follower of Christ. Very simple. If you are following Jesus, how many of you are following Jesus? That's all of us, right? Then you are a disciple. So turn to your neighbor and say, you are a disciple. So weeks one, two, and three, we'll talk about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Okay, we'll talk about um, basically the spiritual discipline. So tonight we'll talk about a spiritual discipline. Next week we'll talk about essential doctrines. And the third week, we're going to talk about life change, all right? Now, another thing about a disciple is that he's not just a follower of Christ, but secondly, he is also a 
fisher of men. So if you are a disciple, you fish for men, okay? You all know what I'm talking about, right? You fish for men. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. That's what it's all about. So weeks 4, 5, and 6, we'll talk about how it is and what it is to fish for men. Talk about the, um, the gospel. You understand the gospel. We'll understand how to preach the gospel. How many of you want to, you know, how, how many of you want to preach the gospel? You know, my prayer tonight is that all of us will be changed. Yeah. Amen. You follow Christ and you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to be a disciple of Christ after these nine weeks. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to talk about understanding the gospel, preaching the gospel, and the discipleship mandate, which I basically spoke about in Matthew 28. And then lastly, a disciple does not only follow Christ, he's not only fishing for men, but he also would fellowship with believers. Okay? Look around you. These are your fellow believers. Come on, look around you. Come on. Look around. Come on. There. There we go. So we'll talk about church, church community. We'll talk about relational unity. And lastly, we'll talk about shared life. And that's what we'll be discussing for the next nine weeks. Everybody say nine weeks, 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 weeks. Together, okay? And this is designed so that you and I will understand our purpose as a disciple. Amen? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. If you have your Bibles with you, your your um, smartphones that, ha- that have that U version or whatever version that may be, go for ESV. Essential sa victory. Okay? So are you there? Okay, let's read First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. It's very short. It says there, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you for this time, this moment we're together. Lord, it is our desire to understand our purpose as a disciple. Lord, speak to us tonight. Make us understand. Make us see your heart for the lost as well. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, be with us as we learn from this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Have you ever been stuck before? If you really think about it, all of us have been stuck by one way or another, right? How many of you would agree that the top, you know, the top, uh, the top reason for being stuck is, is traffic, right? I mean, that's the worst place ever. Okay? Have you ever, ever tried being stuck in traffic for hours? Yes, you know, you know, many years ago when they were they, when they were constructing Skyway. How many of you were here? The Skyway project. You all know this, right? Of course, we are benefiting now, but it was ugly during those times because you know it took hours. In fact, two hours. I mean, two a.m. You'd go home two a.m. I mean, there should be any traffic at two a.m. But two a.m. You're stuck there for two hours. How many of you experienced that? You know, it's really frustrating, right? But, it, but it's okay. Because you're inside the car, right? But it's not, right? How many of you know that you, you want to go to the restroom right away? You know, there's no way. I mean, you're there, you're stuck in traffic. And how do you go? 
it's quite impossible, quite, it's quite difficult. But, but nonetheless, nonetheless, it's still okay because if you were stuck in a line like this, okay, this is a picture of um, typhoon victims uh, somewhere down south. And, and understand that they're not in a car, right? They're not in a car, but they're stuck in a line. And there's no air-conditioned room. It's just under the heat of the sun. Can you just imagine the feeling of being stuck in a place that is mm, hot? You're probably smelling all the perspiration, the evaporation of all the skin, whatever. And you're smelling everything. How many of you felt so frustrated? One way or another. All of us, right? Being stuck right there. You know, when I was doing this research, I, I stumbled into a sign. Okay, I'm going to show you this, a picture of a sign. It says, you are not stuck in traffic. You are traffic. Get a bike, break free. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an advertisement uh, basically by a um, bike company. And quite good one, right? But there is a certain spiritual truth about this advertisement. You are not stuck in traffic. You are traffic. Can you look at your neighbor and say, you are traffic? <laughs> now, here it is. Here it is. The spiritual truth about this, this, this sign is this. Many Christians today, okay, many Christians today live their lives stuck in traffic. Okay, kind of like, you know, you're in this routine thing. You come to church every Sunday, right? You come to the worship service every Sunday. Probably you attend your small group. Every week, week in, week out. And despite all the routine work that you do as a Christian, here you are, nothing is happening. Are you here? Nothing is happening. You're, just, you're like stuck in traffic. There's not, no matter how hard you try, no matter how many times you attend the service, you attended the 9, 11, 1, 3, 5, and tonight you're still here. I mean, nothing has changed. And the, and the thing is, the spiritual truth about this, it may not be really stuck in traffic, but the, the, the cause of that is you. Are you here? The cause of you being stuck as a Christian is you. Think about that. Have you ever thought of, you know, Lord, I have been praying, I have been a Christian for 28 years, I still have not Receive my breakthrough. I attend all the churches. Not just Victory, but all the churches in Metro Manila. And I still have not taken my breakthrough. But we're stuck. Because the reason is really you or all of us. Now what do I mean by this? It's kind of like this picture over here. It's kind of like this. There's a, a glass right in front of you. You'd like to, you don't want to go through that glass, but you just can't. I mean, how, it's, how many have we witnessed, you know, our kids, you know, just running and running through the glass if they did not see the glass, right? But this one is like even frosted glass. It's quite difficult. Truth of the matter is this. There are Christians who are stuck in their own journey with Jesus because of two things. And let me share this thing. Number one is because of their past experience. Many Christians actually don't move forward in their life, in their journey, because of their past experience. What am I saying here? It's kind of like this. Before meeting Jesus Christ 
it was all okay. Right? Because temptations, they're not a problem. Because I do all the things I want to do. I don't even know if it was a temptation, right? It was just that. And some Christians who follow Christ are kind of like this. They follow Christ, but yet, they look behind and said, Wow, I miss those times that we used to, you know, do that, do this, do that. Kind of like that, you know. They're, they're kind of like, they want to move forward with Christ, but yet, the past is like just a tug. Are you here? Tahimik You know what I'm saying, right? And it, it seems like you're being pulled to the left or to the right or front or back, and that's why you're not going anywhere. There's like, have you ever seen two magnets, you know, you put the same, you know, and it's just opposing each other. It's kind of like that situation with you. That's why you're not moving forward. Or maybe because your past, you were a victim in your past. In other words, there has been a terrible experience in your life, and it seems like I cannot move on because probably you were hurt in the past. You're a Christian today. You're attending the services. You're attending your victory groups. That's great. But somehow, somewhere in the past, that stops you from experiencing the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ has for you. Or maybe you are the one that victimized people. <laughs> maybe you're the one that, you know, did a bad thing to people. That's why you cannot move on forward in your Christian walk because you are condemned by the fact that your sins in the past is haunting you today. So I couldn't move on. Maybe that's where you are. The second reason why, why it's kind of difficult for Christians to move forward is because of their, what we call, present situation. There's a present situation maybe some of us or maybe other Christians are experiencing today that is so difficult that trusting the Lord becomes difficult for them. Because they're going through some major hardship, major, you know, you know what I'm saying? All the bad things that could happen to a Christian is happening today, right, before their very eyes. And you just cannot understand the very minute that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, here you are experiencing all the reverse. It's kind of like this. Many years ago, I saw a lot of Christians like Gary Valenciano. You all know Gary B, right? I said, I want to be like him. Because he looks blessed. You know what I'm saying? You see other, other friends who are Christians, and I said, you got attracted to this Christianhood. They say, I'm gonna, I, wanna, I, want, I want something like that. So finally, I did. I did, I did that. I said, maybe, maybe this time I'd like to go born again. You know, have you heard of that born again thing, right? I want to be born again. I want to do this. So you, the minute I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, guess what happened? All our businesses, all my businesses, they kind of folded up one after the other. And I said, I thought, I thought if I become a Christian, I'm going to be blessed. Why? Because the present situation I had way back then was kind of, you know, clouding everything and not seeing anymore. It's kind of like that. And, question, and, the thing, and the thing about this is that we become stuck where we are. Your past and even your present situation can make you 
be stuck in this place. It's called what we call, you are what we call spiritually stuck. Simple as that, right? You are spiritually stuck. In other words, you are not growing spiritually. Because when you look at your situation in the present, and when you look at your past, you just cannot move forward. And you're stuck right there. Despite all the efforts that you're thinking, how am I going to get past this? What's happening? It's just there. You remain stuck. So the biggest question we need to ask ourselves tonight is this question. How do we break free? How can I break free from being stuck in my spiritual journey with Christ? All of us have been stuck one way or another. And this is what I believe. Okay? Now, I want you, you can quote me, unquote me, but this is, this is what I believe. You see, God did not save you for nothing. I believe that God saved you for something. In other words, there has to be a reason why God saved you. Why God put you in this church. Why God put us in this family called Victory. There has to be a reason. Because if, if the only reason why all of us are here is because of, you know, we hear the word every Sunday, we sit down, nice air condition, kahit mainit sa labas. I mean, if that's the only thing we do, we miss the whole point. There is something beyond this. God does not want you to be stuck where you are. Are you still here? You see, we were not born again just to be stuck again. We don't want to be that. Okay? We all need to move, in other words, forward. Okay? So are you ready? Now, the background of our text okay, is this. Our background, simple background, brief background. Okay? We all know Peter. You all know Peter, right? He's the favorite disciple of, of Jesus. He's, uh, he's, he's, just, he's just all over the place. He talks too much. He, he loves Jesus so much. But he, be, he, he is one of the four, the founding fathers of the church, the early church. In fact, it was through his revelation, remember that? And then basically this revelation, the rock of revelation, we all talk about Peter. And he was an apostle. And he built, actually, um, he was uh, an apostle. In fact, people looked up to him, respected him as the father. Okay? Although the apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament, but when they looked to Peter, he's like the first one. Okay? He was the first one to be the apostolic father. So, you're looking at the background of Christianity in, the, in those times. So, in early Christianity, we all know there was what we call persecution, right? Under the Roman Empire, Emperor Nero, you all remember Emperor Nero, right? No, if you don't know him, he's a tyrant, okay? He basically uh, rose to power by uh, getting his uncle's place, okay? His uncle, Claudius, was murdered by his mother, so that he can get the position as emperor. Eventually, what he did, 10 years later, he also had his mother murdered. So this Nero guy is a tyrant. He's a murderer. He's, he's evil. Okay? This guy is evil. And what he did was, he burned the empire. There was a great fire in Rome, and he burned it. Because he wanted to take away all those squatters, I guess, all those stuff outside. He wanted to clear it, so he burned it. So when the people found out that he burned it, he says, I didn't burn it. So he passes the blame to who? To the early Christians. 
That's why you heard so many stories about Christians being burned alive. This was Emperor Nero. During his, his lavish parties, he would, he would barbecue a guy, a person, and hang him upside down or inside out. I don't know. They just, they just torch them so that there will be light in his garden. That's how mad this emperor was. So you get the picture. So Peter wrote this letter, not just to a church, but to all the Christians spread around Rome. Because they were going through tough times. They were going through persecution. But yet, despite all the trials, despite all the persecutions and whatever happened, this is what it says, you cannot be stuck. You cannot be stuck where you are. You need to grow despite of all the persecution that was happening in their present time. Question to all of us tonight is really, how can I grow in our spiritual journey? Okay, let me share to you three things or three ways we can grow spiritually. And according to Peter, first of all, we need to put away our old desires. Okay, old desires. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, if we, if we dissect that, malice is what it was saying is that you have to put your old desire, meaning a desire, malice is a desire to hurt someone with words or deeds. Okay, that's malice. So if you're picturing you are an early Christian and you were going through persecution and you wanted, you know, to really get revenge over Rome, you probably want to hurt people. You know what I'm saying? So the desire in the early church, they wanted so bad to get back at Rome. Think about that. So there was malice there. They wanted to hurt. They wanted to kill. They wanted to destroy. What else? He says there, uh, deceit. Deceit is really this. It is a desire to gain some advantage or Preserve some position by deceiving others. I don't know, probably because you were a Christian, people were deceiving each other. People pointing this, pointing that. Maybe you are you were persecuted and you you know says it's madaya. You're a Christian, but you just cannot get back with, with evil. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's what it was. What else? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a desire not to be known for what you really are. Envy. Okay, the desire for some privilege or benefit that belongs to another with resentment that another has it and you don't. Probably if you were the early Christian before, the desire to, you know, to envy was so, so much. It's kind of like probably your neighbor, right? And Lord, bakit naman siya? Why is he so blessed? He has six cars, a huge mansion, and he's not a Christian. You know what I'm saying? And here you are, working in a company. You're there. You're looking at all your non-Christian co-employees and you're saying, how come they're blessed? You become envious. It's kind of like that. Slander. It's a desire for revenge. Backbiting. If you were part of that early Christian church, the temptation was so hard. Are you getting it? The temptation was so hard you know, to follow Christ. It's so difficult. 
I don't know, even today, actually, some of Christians have that difficulty because of the things that are happening today in their situation. But that's what, that's what it is. But the Apostle Peter instructs them, don't get stuck there. Don't do that anymore. He says, put away all of these things. You are to put off all your sinful desires. Wow. I'm just imagining if I, were, if I were in their shoes and you were going through those tough times, you're persecuted, you know, sometimes, you know, just, can I just be candid with you? Sometimes, pag nagagalit ako, you know, gusto kong hubarin tong, ano eh, I just want to remove this and say, you know, I'm not a pastor. Wait a minute, let me just, let me just get this, you know, especially in traffic, di ba? Just kidding. But, but it's kind of like that. You're there and it's really quite difficult. But yet, the Apostle Peter says, put it off, this old desire. In fact, another apostle, the Apostle Paul, he says, in fact, not just to put it off, he says, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, put to death. Huh? It's not even putting it off. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, that desire, that earthly desire in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, and get this, evil desire says there, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Why is that? Why did Paul and Peter basically exhorted them, don't revenge, don't do bad things despite what you are going through? That's a difficult place to be in, you know? That's difficult. I don't know, but it is. Now, as Christians, why do we need to put off these desires? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, everybody say, therefore. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old has passed away. You are now a new creation in Christ. In other words, you should no longer desire these things. These sinful things. You just don't want to desire that. Now, here's the tension now, right? Listen up. This is, this is quite difficult, okay? Pastor, I'm hearing you that if I am in Christ, if I'm born again today, the old has gone, the new has come. But here's the thing. Here's my struggle. If this is really true, then why am I still feeling this sinful desire? Did you ever ask that question? I ask that question many times every single day in the morning when I'm driving and then, you know, a, a, a car would just, you know, cut me and... Mm. Why, Lord, why am I still angry? Why do I want to get out of this car and just punch the face of that guy? Why can't I do it? It's difficult, right? You know why? You see, it's not enough to put away our old ways without something to replace it with. It's not enough for us just to put away our old sinful desires without replacing it with something. If you empty this bottle, it's a useless bottle, right? You need to fill it up with something. If there is water here, I can fill it up later with iced tea. Maybe. It's kind of like that. You all know, you all, you're, do, you, do, you, do you know this principle? It's called the principle of infusion. You all know this? 
the principle of infusion simply states that anything that is introduced, okay, or it is the introduction of a new element or quality into something. It's kind of like this. Okay? Um, this is not a glass of water. And imagine for a while that this is like dirty water in my bottle, right? Or in this glass. Just imagine that this is a glass. Okay? Are you here? Okay. There's dirty water over there. And here's in the principle of infusion. All you need to do is get this glass of water, dirty water, go to the faucet, and then put in clean water. And you do it consistently, okay, and constantly putting clean water into a glass of dirty water. How many of you think that there will come a time that this bottle of water or this glass will be clean? It's the same thing. That is what the Apostle Peter was saying. He was saying in this verse that, he says, so put away, what? All malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy. In other words, all those sinful desires, right? Right? So he says, put it away. Like, and then in verse 2, it says, like newborn infants long for. Do you know what the mean, what's the meaning of long for? Okay, it's not mahaba, okay? Long Longing is uh, desiring, right? That's it. That's the word. What it means is that you put away the sinful desires. It's just the beginning. What Peter was saying, yeah, you put off this old sinful desires. That's just the beginning. It's, on, it's not one of the processes. In fact, it, there has to be a dynamic of replacing that sinful desire with a different desire, right? Are you seeing this? So as you are putting away, there is something now that you're putting in. As you're putting away the sinful desires, you are putting in godly desires. Bible says to desire for that pure spiritual milk that by it, you may what? You may grow up into salvation. You don't stay stuck. It's a dynamics, guys. It's not one part from the other. You know how it is? I have a friend that I have been inviting for years. Okay? And I know this because my, well, uh, this, this friend of mine was part of a band that we were together with. And bro, I know you're talking about. Anyway, I've been inviting him for church. And this is what he said. You know, Saul, don't invite me to church until that I am good. Then I will come to church. Kind of like that. He wanted to come to church when he's ready. He's already good. But the reality is, we can never be good. Right? The reality is, we're all sinners. The reality is, we are all stuck in our sinful desires. And we need something to draw out or push away or infuse something in our life so that we can draw out all the sinful desires and come in here. In fact, in fact, you don't have to do, well, it's not about our ability to do good. We can't. don't have that ability. But as we long for or desire this spiritual milk, okay, what is this spiritual milk? What is it? What is this spiritual milk? Is it carnation? No. What is this spiritual milk? Okay. In other words, number two, Okay, you want to grow spiritually. First one, put off the old self, which happens dynamically together 
when you do this, when you change that desire, that old sinful desire, to a godly desire. In other words, you need now to desire God's Word. Spiritual milk is simply God's Word. The King James Version says, As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. It is the Word of God. It's the Bible. How many of you have the Bibles with you? Well, what does it mean to desire God's Word? Okay, simply put. Desiring God's Word means this. Number one, reading it. It ain't gonna happen if you want to be, you know, if you want to change the This The Bible will not happen for your life even if you look at it but you don't read it. Right? You gotta read it. Do not just come to church and listen to the Word, but you've got to read it. Don't, don't be, just don't put this as a Sunday service, this is it. This is my, my, my religious life. I come to a Sunday service, that's it. I'm going to listen to the Word, that's it. Then tomorrow, you don't read your Word. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, I, I, can, I can be here and listen to the Word. That's not going to happen. You need to read it. Amen. Secondly, when you read it, you need to understand it. You need to understand what you're reading so that you'll understand how to, number three, apply it. So when you say, I want to desire God's Word, means you read it, you understand it, you apply it. Because no matter how much you agree with God's Word and you don't apply it in your life, it, it's nothing. I mean, who are you kidding? It won't happen. But lastly, if you truly desire God's Word, you will eventually love it. How many of you love the Word of God? Let's give God glory. Come on. Hallelujah. Word of God. We need to infuse this daily in our lives. God's Word in our lives is important because as we do so, our sinful desires will be replaced by His desires. Amen? I mean, think about that. Now it's different. Um, I don't like the desires of before anymore. It's different walking with God. Amen. In other words, our attitude, everybody say attitude, should be like a newborn baby. Have you ever seen a newborn baby? Yes. Okay. It's kind of like this. Cutie, diba? Woohoo. Yeah. See, a newborn baby, you got to understand, when Peter was saying this, you need to think like a baby. Okay? Understand what a baby is, a newborn baby. A newborn baby is totally dependent on his or her parents, right? The same way, all of us. Think baby, okay? You ought to be dependent totally to our Father. You need to be totally different to our God. Dependent, rather, to our God. That's what it means to be a newborn baby. Secondly, a newborn baby would also... Need milk for what? Nourishment, right? Because the baby knows, right? Um, when the baby cries, you just give milk, right? Like my son, my daughter, my, my three kids, is what I did. You want to silence them, you just stick the milk. <laughs> and then it's going to go. And we're all okay. But we need, in other words, we need God's Word to nourish us every single day. I mean, deny a baby one day if not drinking milk, he can die. Deny yourself just one day, you'll be spiritually dead without the Word of God. 
Thirdly, newborn baby is totally secured. How many of you know a baby is secured when he is already fed with his milk, right? They don't cry anymore. The same thing. We need to find that security. In fact, we experience the security of God when we are filled with God's Word. That's where it is. It's an amazing thing. I have a cartoonist that said this, you cannot have spiritual life without the Word of life. The Word of God gives life. It makes us grow. That's why if, if, if there are Christians today who are just stuck where they are, not getting the breakthroughs of their life, probably because they have not desired God's Word. Probably because they have not read it, understood it, applied it, and loved it. See, what matters is our attitude. Okay? You, could be, you could be the youngest um, Christian today or the oldest. I don't know, you've been walking with God for the past 25, 50, 30 years. It does not really matter. What Peter was saying, no matter what age you are walking with God, your attitude should always be like a newborn baby. I'm not asking you to be a baby, alright? But the attitude of desiring God's Word. You see, we just do not graduate from desiring or craving for God's Word. Amen? We cannot just graduate because we cannot underestimate the power of God's Word. We cannot. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The power of God's Word. How many of you really believe that? We need to apply it. We need to love it. Read, understand, apply it, and love it. That's what we need. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. In fact, God's word is the only light you will ever need in this dark world that we're in. Trust me. I have been into many situations in our lives that were dark. And if not for God's word, I don't know where I will be today. God's word is important in our lives. And if you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, then this is of utmost importance in your life. Amen. Amen. Thirdly is this. How can I grow spiritually? Okay. One, you put off your old desires. Change it with the desires to love the Word of God. And thirdly, you need to encounter God. Simple. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1-3 to says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, all those old sinful desires. And then he says, You crave, like newborn babies, you crave or desire for this pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Verse what does it say? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter mentions, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, what was he talking about? He's talking about an encounter with God. 
I mean, if you truly had an encounter with God in your life, then you don't want to lose God in your life, right? What does that mean to encounter God? Or what does it mean to taste and see that the Lord is good? It's very simple. It's this. It's a taste of His loving kindness. You know what milk was? You know that milk is? The milk, the milk really is, the taste of that milk is the loving kindness of God. Do you realize that if not for the loving kindness of God that leads us to repentance, we will all not be here? And if you have tasted that the Lord is good, if you have tasted that His, His, His love, His, His kindness, His grace, His faithfulness, if you have tasted that, wouldn't you want that all the time? I mean, if there's anything you want to be addicted to, okay, you want to be addicted to the loving kindness of our Lord. You'd love to taste this every single day of your life. Do you know if you have only an encounter, a one-time encounter with, with Jesus in your life today, and you say, that's it, Pastor, I've arrived. I have, I'm born again now. I understand this. If you think that's it, boy, you're missing the whole thing. Because David, David says, better is one day in your courts, in your presence, than a thousand elsewhere. King David, I'd rather be a doorkeeper <laughs> in your presence, in your kingdom. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Lord, kahit ano na lang, basta wag lang ko mawala sa presence mo. That's what he was saying. Why? Because the Bible says that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Not happiness. It says joy. You know what joy is? You cannot snuff out joy. Happiness is temporary. You're happy because you got bonuses. You're happy because you have a new toy, you have a new phone, you have a new watch, whatever that may be, but it disappears, right? But joy, in all circumstance, you still have the joy that only the Lord can give you. That's what we have. Why stop? Why stop in your one-time encounter when you got saved? How long have you been a Christian? How long have you met the Lord? Why stop there? Why not have Him? Why not taste Him every single day of your life? How many of you would like that? Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus Himself, in as I am, Jesus Himself, doesn't want you to be stuck where you are. He wants you to move on. And this is Jesus. He's saying in John chapter 15, verse 3 to 4, He says, Already you are clean because of what? The Word. Realize that when you got saved, when you got born again, when you heard the Word of God, you have been saved, you have been purified, you already have been cleaned. Jesus was saying, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And in verse 4, he says, abide in me. Abide in me. Do you know what's the meaning of abide? Abide means to live with. It means to dwell in. That's where we get, you know, it's the, the, past, the past participle of that is abode. This is my humble abode where I live. In other words, Jesus now becomes our home. 
Jesus now becomes your home. It's an amazing, amazing thought today. Think about that. Jesus ought to be your home. Why? So that you could taste Him every single day of your life. You could be with Him. You could fellowship with Him. Don't box God. Don't box Jesus on a Sunday service and then miss Him the rest of the days, but have Him every single day of your life. If indeed, Peter says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Because if you have not really encountered God, you will not long for God. You will not, you wouldn't want to taste the goodness of God anymore. You see, it all depends in all of us how we look at it. Our encounter with God, making Jesus our home. And I'd like to end with this, just one main point. Kind of lengthy, but it drives the whole point. You see, a genuine encounter with God produces a hunger for His Word. And a hunger for His Word produces a genuine encounter with God. It's the whole cycle. That's how it is. You want to grow? You want to move forward? You need to hunger for God. You need to hunger for His Word. You need to encounter Him on a day-to-day basis. Not just a preaching. It's a nice preaching pastor. Nice. Not that. My heart today, in fact, tonight, my prayer for you is that you'll have a genuine encounter with God every single day of your life. That's my prayer. All of us will enjoy and taste the loving kindness of our Almighty God. And that's my prayer. So that in the end, all of us can really move forward. Amen? Let's just bow down our heads. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, it is our desire to pursue you, Lord Jesus, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Lord, I pray tonight that as you have opened our eyes to what is truly important to make us grow in your purpose, to make us love you more, is really to desire you and your word. Well, thank you, God, that that you have sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to dwell even with us. He became man for us. He broke every single barrier so that He can be with us. When no one desired Jesus, Jesus desired to be with us. Lord, thank You. Now, while we were, while we were still sinners, You've already looked to us and Your heart is to save us. What a wretched generation we are, Lord. We're sinners. We, we are sinful to the very core. But yet, Your loving kindness displayed on us on that cross. Lord, I pray that you will change the way we think, change our hearts so that we may truly follow you for the rest of our lives. Lord, thank you, God, that as we do, we will enjoy your loving kindness on a day-to-day basis. Lord, thank you, Lord God. Would you just release, Lord God, your loving kindness to your people today? In fact, if you've been tired and weary and say, I'm stuck in my spiritual walk, would you, let's lift it up before God that I could pray for you. Let's lift it up before God. Say, Lord, that's me. I'm stuck where I am. Get me out of this place. 
Yes, I see those hands. Just lift it up before God. There's no shame. That's okay. Just lift it up. Lord, you see our hands, God. This is acknowledging our faults and our failures. Lord, forgive us if we have been living in our past. Forgive us. And when we look at our present situation, we don't see you. Forgive us, Lord, for not trusting you. Lord, thank you, Lord God, to whoever is lifting up their hands today, that you will, Lord, bring just, Lord, your, your ministry to them. Minister, Lord God, to their faith, to their hearts today. I pray, Lord, that you will release, Lord God, a double portion of your grace. Lord, fill your people with your grace your loving kindness, Lord, and let them taste that you are good. Thank you, Lord God. We receive every single blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.